0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com, so please subscribe. We up with Mark Selby, today's CEO, of Canada Nickel a huge year last year and this year looks to be more of the same. We talk about the PEA which came out yesterday, some big numbers in there. It explains how he's going to tackle the market, how this thing gets funded, and the race towards a Feasibility Study by the end of next year. Mark Selby, how are we, sir? Very good, Matthew Gordon, how are you? I, I'm fine, fine. I, I wanted to talk to you about your PEA. You've got it out. Yeah. Yeah, we did on time, um, on schedule. Uh, some oh nice no, numbers no, in there.
1: No, 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 no. We we did delay it, you know, three a couple of times there. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, these are the numbers that we're going to be living with, uh, talking to partners, talking to government officials that we're going to be using with permitting. So it was important uh, to make sure that we uh, we we got it right. And uh, again, very, very happy with where the numbers came out, uh, you know, with nearly two billion pounds of nickel. At a cash cost of a dollar a pound, all-in sustaining cash cost of two dollars a pound, you know, and uh, IRR at sixteen percent over billion dollar NPV, and you know, uh, from a you know cash flow perspective, uh, over four hundred million a year in EBITDA and, and, and nearly three hundred million dollars a year in, in free cash flow over twenty-five year mine life, and and really, you know, today's PEA, I, I think that one of the key messages, this is really just the tip of the iceberg. You know, we we're, were getting just getting started with this project. Um, at this point, twenty months in from the very first drill hole, so you know there's there's still a huge amount of upside from here.
0: No, I mean it's, it's a huge project. It's got the, it's got real scale to it, and I get the multi cycle component to it. Can can I just get a little bit granular with you? Do you mind? Sure. You, it, you did delay it a couple of times, and I think people were yeah. concerned about that one. One was the, uh, around the discussions on um, ongoing discussions with Glencore, and the second was around yeah. grind size. I mean, was that did you benefit from that delay as a result? Did those did those two topics get resolved?
1: Oh, for yeah, for sure. I mean, um, in terms of with with Glencore, you know, we did the key pieces were, you know, doing the capital cost and understanding the operating cost of of retooling one of their uh, mill lines at Kid Creek uh, and. You know, we have got both those numbers. Both those numbers came in line with what we were expecting. Uh, You know, what we didn't get done in time was just the you know the discussions around you know what the business terms of of something like that would look like. So again, that opportunity is still on the table. And you know, that one's not so much more about adding value; it's just being able to de-risk the project at a a capital cost of closer to a hundred million dollars than a billion dollars.
0: Right. Okay. And let's just talk about the, the scale of this because it, it, it's it's big out of the gate. You're sort of, I guess, comparable to something that we're used to um, talking about, which was um, Dumont, um, in twenty months. So you, obviously, it's happened in an accelerated time frame. Um, yeah. What I mean, h- how do you move this thing forward now? Okay, you've said right. Here's the here's some big numbers. Yeah. Great. It's PEA. Yeah. Now what?
1: Yeah, no, in, in terms of again, sort of, you know, this tip of the iceberg, you know, unlike most companies, which would have spent, you know, most juniors have spent a lot more time drilling the drilling the resource off before they started the PA. You know, we basically have a resource that we locked in last October, you know, to do the PEA. You know, we've been drilling uh, significantly since then. We're going to continue to drill through the summer. We'll have a resource update out uh, at the end of the year, early next year for. Uh, the resource that'll be used for the feasibility study, and that'll be you know 50 to 100 percent bigger than you know what we've got uh, today. You know what we're looking at is you know we've we in today's PEA we paid to build out a 120,000 ton a day operating mill using the ore that's available today. But you know there's going to be lots of opportunity to get you know higher value that's another five dollars or more ton NSR or lower cost. Than what's in that plan today, and every every ton that we drop in, that incremental value or that incremental cost saving drops right to the bottom line. You know, so you know that's you know that's just one big piece of it. In terms of you know, again, we uh, are have a a distinct downstream path. You know, looking at using uh, off the shelf uh, RKFAOD approach that they used in Indonesia and China, and uh, again, you know, we get paid for the iron and the chrome. You know, and there's massive upside in terms of being able to optimize the recovery for both the iron and the chrome because we're pretty focused on this first stage, just on optimizing nickel recovery. And so, uh, again, you know, expect to see substantial improvements in both the iron recovery and the chrome recovery. And I think we can squeeze out another couple points on the nickel recovery by the time we're done here.
0: So, I want I want to try and answer the question um, to myself, which is. This thing's been, you know, it, it, you, you had a barnstormer over a year last year, you know, share price, yeah. you know, through, through the reef. People, are, your shareholders are very, very pleased. But I want to understand how, how real this is, you know, how how have you mapped this out? Is this just a marketing exercise or has it got substance and it's actually going to get into production? So with things like you just mentioned, uh, iron ore and, and chrome, uh, what pricing are you using? Is that, are you using something yeah. that's yeah. justifiable? Oh, no,
1: for sure. I mean, in terms of you know our long term nickel price if you look at the range most projects have been done between 775 and 850 a pound and we're sitting at 775 you know in terms of how the input feeds into stainless is is, is used is is and i realize this is new for some people is uh, on an iron basis it's it's the scrap iron value that's available in the local marketplace so you know that value for the US um, is is what we're using. And and again, that's something people don't forecast. So we use the 10-year average um, for the US market, which is $290 a ton. And again, that's not per ton of iron ore. That's per ton of iron that's contained in the final product. So Again, I realize that that's a little bit new for people, and then the other key component there is Chrome. Uh, and again, there's not a lot of people who forecast that number, but you know the number we're using is is tied off uh, uh, a, a Europe forecast with an appropriate discount between the U.S. and Europe, and that number is is. You know, in line with what we've seen or lower than what we've seen in the US market in, in recent years. So, All 3 of those numbers are, are relatively conservative and today's current prices uh, for iron and chrome are, are much higher than you know, the, those prices uh, that we're using today.
0: Right, and so you're saying this industry standard, that's a fairly normal way of doing it? Yeah,
1: okay. yeah. no, that's all we're doing and, and using a 10-year average you know, because there's not a lot of uh, good forecast out there, or not a lot of forecast period.
0: Okay, and you you're focusing on the stainless steel market. Why there's yep. a massive EV revolution going on, Mark?
1: Yeah, oh, I know. I, I I've, I've obviously missed the boat. Um, the you know the, the the reason we're doing this approach right now is is fundamentally uh, market driven. If you look at you know the the U.S. stainless market and the European stainless market, you know the premium that's available, you know by producing that product per pound of Nickel is over $5 a pound in the US market. And it's been like that for years Uh, and it will continue to be like that for years. It's a very protected market. Um, So even though there's been cheaper stuff available from China and Indonesia, and if people really understood the Nickel market, and I think some people pretend that they do and they really don't, you'll see that these premiums are available making a very straightforward product. Yes, you know the, the premium for sulfate, you know, has been around a, a dollar a pound plus or minus. It's a big spike right now in China that we've talked about our, on our weekly nickel show. But in terms of the sustainable premium available in the market, you know, U.S. stainless steel using off-the-shelf RKFAOD technology, you know, not some sort of proven hydro unproven hydrometallurgical, hydrometallurgical approach that people will hope will work. Um, you know, this is a guaranteed lowest technology risk path to market you know that we think um, you know would be available today and and the payability terms reflect you know giving a, giving a third party a great big profit margin you know to give them the incentive to do that we think people will be very interested in co-locating a plant with us because again you know we, we you know we believe will not only be zero carbon in terms of our own nickel cobalt and iron production but have enough credits to be able to to allow that that person's Production using our product will also be a zero-carbon product, which, you know, again, given what's going on in the marketplace today, we think would be a pretty attractive proposition going forward.
0: So, your product is good enough to sell into the battery market, but it's you're 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 keeping the the optionality at this point. Is I mean, how are you looking at it?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. No, I mean, this is what's best today. Um, you know, I fully expect by the time we get the plant built and feasibility study that there'll be a separate processing plant where we'll take our highest grade nickel concentrate that's available in the marketplace today. You know, and have those nickel units and the associated Cobalt and PGMs, which again we've got zero value for. Again, back to the tip of the iceberg. You know, we'll be getting value for those cobalt and PGM um, that from the nickel units that get delivered. You know, into an EV supply chain, and again, you know, what we think will happen is you'll see integrated. Um, EV supply chain participants, uh, you know, integrate their processing, uh, you know, in with large concentrate producers, like we expect to be. And now that I have a project that has a large volume of, of nickel, I can go, you know, which will be the largest single nickel sulfide mine in the world. I can go have those conversations with the EV supply chain participants.
0: That was going to be my next question. Why haven't you yet? They needed to see you get to this point. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, you know, again, right now I'm a junior, you know, a junior company who's doing some resource drilling. You know, they, they these guys don't take resource and mining risk. You know, and now that we've got a PEA that I can describe what the project looks like, we're in a location where you can actually get it built. We're in a location where the local community is quite supportive of of getting the, the project built. You know, those are all the boxes that you know. The the, these supply chain participants uh, are keen to see, and again, you know, we're going to get the feasibility study done, you know, a year from now, which again is pretty aggressive. It's still less than you know three years in total from the first drilling, Um, but you know that's you know again we've been talking about end of end of 2021, but again, given where we are now and given the demand for resources of all forms with copper at 450 a pound on top of higher gold prices, you know realistically, you know, mid next year is still going to be aggressive to get there, but we're going to our best to get there.
0: Okay, so just on the drilling, th- th- this this PA is based on drilling from last year. Yes. Are you still drilling? You continue to drill in, into the feasibility study.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. No, we've been again. We've got you know within Crawford itself. We've got the extension to the main zone that's you know we, we released earlier in the year that we think it continues for at least another 800 meters to the northwest, or about 40 percent larger, longer strike length. Um, we've got our, our uh, filling in our east area where we've got two two resource blocks, and we'll be filling in and extending the resource in that area. Then we have our north stone, um, which we don't have a resource on at all today. But again, will be another nice chunk of resource that will work its way into the overall model. And then we've got the regional exploration, which we just you know had the first results for from McDermott. So you know, uh, again, today's today's mine life is twenty five years. You know, again, I think the the resource uh, upside is is pretty significant, and the resource that we put out, you know, uh, a year from not a year from now, so by the end of this year, we'll be you know again fifty to one hundred percent larger than what we have now, and it just gives us uh, much more opportunity to get higher value, you know, higher revenue, lower cost, uh, or that we can put in the you know the basically the big plant that we've already paid for.
0: Well, actually, uh, to- talking of that, as so a question, um, which was. Sort of, uh, Asked of us a lot, which is, how do companies like yours fit into the current ecosystem? Because there's not a lot of smelting or refining capacity in the West, which then makes yep. you wonder, you know, is there going to be a dependence on, on Asian uh, facilities, or can you can you go it alone?
1: Yeah, no, no. I, th- I think again, part of what we've described here is, is a supply chain that you know we think um, you know can can get in, in, into place and avoids being held hostage by the traditional uh, smelters and refineries. Uh, again, from a marketplace perspective, you know, first quantum is now talking about getting its uh, enterprise mine going in southern Africa. You know, and, and that's going to soak up a lot of the uh, smelting capacity that's available today. So, you know, we we have a stainless path to market right now. We think an EV path to market co-located with our mine or somewhere between our mine and one of the auto plants uh, in southern Canada or in the northern United States. Uh, you know'll we'll, we'll, we'll be where our nickel uh, big chunk of our nickel ends up uh, as well um, by the time we get to feasibility study, and definitely by the time we get the project built.
0: Why did you use Asenko to do the, the study?
1: Oh, again, you know if I was a promoter, there's lots of engineers who just do studies who don't actually build anything and, and my capital costs could probably be 300 million or four hundred million dollars lower. But you know Asenko, Builds projects. Asenko has a great track record of, of those projects coming in with capital costs, you know, that are in line with their uh, studies, and and have not only a number of of their projects have actually exceeded their nameplate capacity, you know, multiple times, you know, that they've designed. Um, you know, I've been talking to people all the way through this to say, okay, you know, if you want to understand the economics of what our project would look like, go look at you know the Dumont feasibility study, and look at those numbers. And right now, our capital costs are higher than Dumont but you know the whole difference in the capital cost is the contingency because again good engineering firms and good companies that have realistic numbers use realistic contingency so at a pea stage you know the overall contingency is in the mid 20s you know with certain components at 30% dumont because it's a feasibility study stage has a much much lower uh, contingency number right? you know so there's 170 million US dollars of contingency difference between our number and dumont and again Given that it's a similar plant with a lot of similar features to what we have at Dumont, you know, we're pretty confident that you know a lot of that contingency will again drop to the bottom line and add value on top of what we've already got in place.
0: Okay, so talk to me about how this something like this gets funded. There's a, there's a few detractors, a few commentators in the market saying projects like this, mm-hmm. they'll never get funded.
1: It's the largest nickel sulfide mine in the world outside of Russia. and again, just just on, on the resource that we already have today. it would be the largest base metal operation in Canada in terms of total metal value, bigger than Highland Valley, bigger than Voises Bay, bigger than Raglan. Uh, and again, you know the BHP bulletins of the world, uh, are not opening opening exploration offices in Toronto because of the beautiful weather and you know wanting to get Leafs of boujay seasons tickets you know th- they're here because they think this market has very attractive nickel copper opportunities you know and our project you know is of a scale. Is in a location uh, where you've got all the infrastructure, which makes it much much cheaper to expand than than in a remote location. Uh, and again, is in a location where you have very broad, deep community support, very broad, deep First Nation support. And oh, by the way, you know we'll produce a zero carbon product. You know, uh, you know, in terms of nickel and cobalt, and in terms of the iron and chrome product that we're going to be making. So, in terms of ticking the boxes for the majors who want to build out their base metal uh, portfolios. Uh, you know, I think our project you know ticks you know all the boxes. And again, I know for some retail investors, billion dollar price tags are, are 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 scary, and there's no way that anything could ever done. But again, when you look at the large companies and the mid-tier companies, you know the mines that they need to build today to deliver you know nearly three hundred million a year in in, in free cash flow, Uh, Require you know initial price tags of of a you know around a billion dollars and just one billion is 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 pretty cheap. A lot of the projects they're looking at have two three four five in in front of the billion number. So um, you know I I I, I'm very happy with where this landed. I we are already getting good interest. A lot of companies are waiting for the PEA to come out. The PEA has come out. You know the the kind of numbers we're displaying here are the kind of numbers that I know as someone who's worked at a large mining company in the past. You know. Mid-teens IRR is what you expect for a large multi-decade base metal operation. That's you know, that's the reality.
0: Well, I was also looking at the um, free cash flow annualized free cash flow two hundred and seventy-four million bucks. It's not too shabby either.
1: Yes. Yeah. No. Again, because of the significant iron and chrome byproducts, you know that's why um, you know the the we're at a dollar a pound cash cost and two dollar a pound all-in sustaining cash cost, and so. Uh, again, you know why the stainless path when you have iron <laughs> and magnetite, you know that has anywhere from two to five percent chrome, depending on where we are in the ore body. You know it just makes makes sense to let that metal go where it wants to go. You know so.
0: Okay, well, um, Mark, it's, I guess the the final bit to this is um, to get the feasibility study done. Have you got enough cash uh, to do that?
1: Yeah, we're, we're funded, we've been saying all along that we're funded through September based on the cash that we have on hand now and then we'll be looking to do 10 to 20 million dollars uh, between now and September. As I said, there's a number of strategic discussions that have gone on. We'll see whether they get there or whether uh, again, you know we, we're looking to, to make the pivot now from a largely retail shareholder base to start to get to l- some larger institutions in the story. Uh, and again I, you know those are the ones i think you know take us up a whole other uh, you know uh, level in, in valuation and again you know give, given the interest we've seen so far you know pretty confident that we'll do pretty well on that front over the next uh, four or five months here
0: and so are you given given the market that you'll be selling into is are you looking at listing on another exchange anytime soon
1: yeah i know we're definitely uh, considering a us listing uh, with with the zero uh, the zero carbon angle, you know, there's there's very large pools of capital and, and large groups of investors uh, that just don't buy TSX resource stocks. So, uh, you know, having having a US listing, you know, would be very helpful on that front. So, you know, I, I think that's you know that's something we're definitely considering and and, and could pop up uh, sooner than later.
0: Okay, Mark, look, I appreciate your time today. I know you're busy. It's the middle of, uh, you've got a one to one conference going on as well. So, um, we'll see you soon. All right, thanks, Matthew.